Coming off a late summer world championship, which featured some high drama from the goaltending department, uh, sneaking up on the start of prospect training camps, uh, rookie camps, and then into National Hockey League camps. We're in that uh, fun zone where some of the new setups are coming in. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. I'm Darren Millard, along with co-founders of In Goal Magazine. Standing by is David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. Looking forward to a great chat with Zane McIntyre, uh, who has an unbelievable story about how he got into uh, hockey and then became a professional goaltender. Uh, it takes us on that journey through uh, small town Minnesota to NCAA and then into the professional ranks. And we're also going to visit uh, our good friends and the sponsor of this podcast, uh, In Goal Radio, the podcast uh, brought to you by the Hockey Shop, source for sports story, thehockeyshop.com. Our gear segment will deal with the Brian's Genetic 5 lineup, which is uh, on the shelves, is ready for you to uh, purchase as uh, we bring in the aforementioned uh, co-founders. Uh, gentlemen, uh, Beijing is going to happen with NHLers. We have some uh, great speculation that we can now dive into. We've kind of been nibbling on the periphery, but now that we know the NHLers uh, are going to go, we can get into the uh, goaltending tandems. And I guess it's going to be threesomes. Uh, it'll take three goaltenders uh, for the Beijing Olympics. This is awesome. I'm so excited about Olympic hockey coming this year. It's going to be, look, it's already going to be a fantastic season. Our chance to get back to something a little bit more normal. We had that off season with a great goalie carousel. So, so many changes to look forward to. And then layer on top of that, that it's an Olympic year. Uh, first time in so long that we'll get the chance to see best on best. And, and now we get to spend this whole season uh, speculating who are going to be those three goaltenders that get to suit up for their countries. Uh, just a whole nother layer of intrigue to a season that I've been looking forward to for a long time. And, and it's just around the corner. Woody, have you, uh, have you gone down the rabbit hole of, of what each of the federations will look like when it comes to goaltending? Uh, briefly had a look and like everyone else speculated a little bit. It's kind of fascinating. And, you know, I think the reality is coming off such a unique season last year, um, I think a lot of things could change. Like, I don't know, like what, what's set in stone, right? Like I think coming off of the Stanley cup final appearance by Carey price, we assume he's a part of team Canada. Marc-Andre Fleury, um, is coming off a Vesna trophy win playing some of the best hockey of his career. You think he's there, you know, two years ago, we would have said Carter Hart after last season. No. What does it look like after December? Do we see the Carter Hart of two years ago? And then he's right back on that list. Is it Jordan Bennington? You can go through a lot of the different countries. And just as we're seeing a push from young kids, uh, I think in the National Hockey League, you know, potentially pushing guys right out of the league. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if any first halves are good enough at the National Hockey League level to change some of those decisions, to change some minds. Connor Hellebuck, got to be your your number one for the United States. And yet Thatcher Demko was exceptional behind a crappy team last year. Uh, if he were to have success out of the gate, could he make a push? Where's John Gibson in that equation playing behind a bad team in Anaheim? Like it's fascinating discussions for us for the next few months. Um, makes for great fodder, uh, great sports talk radio, great in-goal radio podcast chatter. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm more interested to see how guys respond to the opportunity to get on those lists and how they perform in the first half of this season coming off such of a unique past couple of years and whether any uh, minds can be changed. It's it's wide open, not just to take the, the starting position 
Hotch, but it's wide open on so many nations to be included in the mix to go to Beijing. Yeah, I think there's a lot of countries that if we start trying to list who the, the three are, there's not necessarily the depth there, but then you've got a few countries, how about Russia, for example, where the depth is, right. is incredible, and, uh, and there's going to be a big lineup for, for the seats on that team. Um, I, th- I think the thing that stands out for me, though, is that as much as what happens in the beginning of the year really will matter, I, I absolutely agree with Woody. I I think that's going to matter more for for the third spot, maybe the second spot. I think this comes down to that eternal question of if you had to pick a guy for one game, who would it be? And and I know this isn't one game. I know it's a tournament, but it's that sort of thinking, uh, which makes me think that you're you're going to see reputation um, matter more than that first half performance in in a number of those decisions. But time will tell. And as Woody said, it's going to be great for a conversation. Hey, I want to congratulate Woody too because. You opened up the door there, and he didn't actually name the entire three goalie lineup for every nation in the Olympics. And I was, I actually, I literally have a checklist here. I was going to see how many he named, but so that's good job. Very restrained, Woody. I'm, uh, I, I'm in, I'm still in summer chill. Thirty six goaltenders off the top of his head. That's what, uh, that's what we were expecting. I thought and, he could do it, and we didn't get it. I thought he yeah. probably get most of it right too. That's the thing. The real question, the one I posed on Instagram earlier today, when we took a little video of the in-goal, or at least my end of the in-goal, the in-goal radio offices here in Vancouver with, as people can't, they can hear but can't see me, the Price, Luongo, and Lundquist jersey. Who's getting at it? Like, we got to create a fourth spot on the wall for our fourth NHL, uh, fourth straight NHL Olympic goaltender. Who's getting added to this one? That's the big question. Mm, That is a good question. Uh, well, if we, if we add an Olympic champion to that wall, are you adding another Carey Price jersey? Uh, or you're like, you're not writing Carey Price off. Might have to put okay, up good. two. Maybe that, maybe that's how you I might, save yeah. space. Maybe that's how I save space. That, we just run this. We just, <laughs> we just, it's just put a little X two times two for Carey back there. Well, so here's, here's a question to you two uh, as we talk about uh, the Olympic uh, inclusion of National Hockey Leaguers, uh, the return of NHLers uh, to the Olympic Games uh, for Beijing 2022 after uh, skipping the 2018 Games. Uh, do you go with a hot hand or should a federation go with the hot hand uh, when they make the announcements and uh, put together their teams in, uh, in dis- late November and December? Uh, as they put together the rosters, or do you go with the the tried and true veteran? And I bring that up because a year ago, at this time, say we were putting together Canada's uh, potentialist, Mark Andre Fleury, with all due respect, wouldn't have been in the mix uh, a year and a half ago. No, I know, I know you're 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 kind of scrunching up your nose, Hutch, but uh, year and a half, he, he was an older guy, and yeah, yeah. and there. You would have expected somebody maybe like Carter Hart a year and a half ago, two years ago, to be pushing Carey Price for the starting job. Like it, it, there's just no linear uh, rise or fall uh, it, that that happens. So, like, what what do you do right now? I wonder how many guys aren't even on the radar that can possibly play their way into this thing. Well, that's why I was saying before. I thought maybe somebody can play their way into the the third spot. It, it'll be interesting to see how that goes and. Of course, how hot is that hand is is another question. But um, I I firmly believe 
somebody's going to be there based on reputation. I could easily see it being two because hockey is such a conservative community. Um, but I do think that's the nice thing about having three is it gives you that opportunity to insert somebody who's younger, somebody who's, as you say, hot. And one of the things I, I know certainly Canada has always done over the years or typically done over the years is they, they alternate a couple of starts and see who, who becomes the hot hand at the Olympics. So as much as it's about reputation, longevity, the ability to be that guy you can rely on over time, uh, they do tend to end up going with the hot hand at the moment out of that group. It's, it's an interesting blend of the two, I think. Woody, 2002, Curtis Joseph started, uh, did not finish. In 2010, Marty Brodeur started, didn't finish as the starter. Since then, it's been Carey Price's goal. But uh, it's, I think we're, we're looking at something like that, and not just on Team Canada, but, but on a number of different clubs where uh, it's, we, we don't have that outside of Russia. Now, Andre Vasilevsky, that's, that's his job. And he just happens to be from the deepest pool too. So maybe, maybe there's a, a little bit of a caveat there, but boy, I, I think a n- number of teams will go into this tournament without knowing who their goaltender will be at the end. Yeah. And again, and again like, I think it's fun to speculate, but it's all going to depend on form, on health, on how everyone's going on. And that'd be the other interesting part is like, how do you match sort of you know, if a guy's been playing behind a fire wagon team in the National Hockey League and all of a sudden, yeah. you know, Canada decides to, you know, for lack of a better term, might Babcock it and just shut her right down. Because that's the one thing about Sochi, right? Like for all the talent that Canada had, like they were defense first the whole way, right? And that's what made it impressive. You, I mean, maybe not the most entertaining, but you basically got a bunch of the best in the world to buy into shutting everything down and Kerry was perfect literally behind it um but not every guy is going to be able to flip that switch necessarily so it's i mean there's so much that could happen between now and then so many different names that could rise or fall that could be healthy or not and what's going to be a massively condensed season i'm just excited to sort of watch it all unfold um i think it's far too early to make big predictions but it's fun to sort of look at the lists and wonder what might happen and see who could end up uh who could end up where and the uh the canadian uh teams will uh, go to beijing trying to follow up uh, some incredible performances and uh, that includes the women uh and congratulations to anne renee debian uh, a, a world champion as canada returns to the top of the charts winning in overtime uh, against team usa in that uh thrilling final at the women's uh, summer world championships i, I just want to say I, I would love it if they moved the women's world championship uh, to late august uh all the time or september because what a spotlight uh, right in that uh that void of of hockey and we're looking for it and i know it was because of covid and and different moving the 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 schedule around but boy, it uh, it allowed so many of us to to dive into that tournament, and uh, what a, what a moment uh, for uh, Debian to be able to fall behind early, recover, stabilize herself and the team, and and give them that base to come all the way back. So congratulations to uh, Anne Renee Debian. 
And she's somebody who we've obviously had on the podcast, episode 117, I think it was. It's such a good backstory. Like, don't forget, she'd kind of quit. Yeah. Like she sort of retired once already, right? And um, some of the crap she put up with when she was uh, when she was younger and, you know, boys met teams basically saying, like, you're the best goalie out here, but having coaches say, sorry, you can't play because we, we don't want a girl on our team uh, or we don't see the development upside. Uh, it just... Some of the crap she put up with, some of the different things she went through to see her back on that stage and performing like that was special. Uh, I think the Olympics, like you said, we, we focus on the depth charts for all these teams on the men's side. Uh, equally fascinating conversations to be had on the women's side. Uh, is is Nora Ratty uh, a part of the conversation uh, for Finland after not being able to attend this World Championships uh, a past couple of weeks ago? Uh, I do, I got to say, I didn't get a chance to watch as much. I hear you on the August thing, just for me wasn't good, um, was away for that week and it was really hard sort of off the grid to, to kind of keep up with it. Um, but certainly when you look at some of the numbers, like 2.7 million viewers for that gold medal game up here in Canada alone, um, just, you know, obviously worthy of the spotlight and shows what happens when you put uh, women's sports on television. People watch and, and, and they provided an incredible entertainment value. And I thought that there was some uh, some good competition throughout the tournament. Uh, Hutch, uh, the the gap is closing. Uh, not not a not a ton, but uh, we don't have like parity across the tournament. But uh, it's 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 getting better, and uh, we're starting to see uh, some other federations uh, push a little bit. But again, that rivalry, Hutch, Canada USA, is just it. It is one women's hockey. Canada USA is one of the best. In sports, the intensity is unbelievable yes. on the ice, isn't it? Yeah, you can you can just feel it as as I think we grew up watching the 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 men Canada Russia. You could feel that you could anticipate that was coming all the time. Now we can anticipate the the Canadian the American women almost always, uh, and this and the seesaw battle back and forth between them is absolutely incredible. Awesome, and I and I just it it gives you that carrot uh, for oh uh, and just uh, one more note. Women's uh, sports, Canadian soccer, Canadian uh, oh, yeah. hockey, uh, goaltending played a big part in both of them. I know, I know it's a hockey podcast, but uh, but uh, the the soccer and the Olympics uh, and going to a shootout uh, and then in, into the world championship and, and winning in overtime. That 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 was just cool. Or oh, women's sports. No, we don't talk about soccer as goalies. We don't. I just fetal position back corner of the room. You see the size of that net? I can't do it. I can't <laughs> no, do no, it. No, no. But she could teach a lesson to every goaltender. I. It was on in the wee hours of the morning. I meant to get up. I didn't. As I, I grab the phone as I wake up, and it's gone to the shootout. And to see that smile, and to see that that confidence, and. I mean, I guess if you're on the other side of that, you probably didn't appreciate how she was acting. But I, I as a Canadian, as a goaltender, uh, absolutely owning the other team, I thought it was incredible. It was so much fun. So congratulations all the way around on that. Uh, the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com, presenting sponsor of In Goal Radio, the podcast, and uh, really cranking things up. We'll get to the gear segment in just a little bit with the uh, Brian's Genetic Five, but uh, they are a really, like, this is Go time, and it's the first time in a while we've got a couple of start stops, but the traditional September around the hockey shop right now, Woody. 
Yeah, and uh, busy time of year, uh, all hands on deck. I think uh, you're right because of the starts and stops, and I think because a lot of you know, a lot of young goalies out there probably changing teams, not certain where they're going to end up, maybe being left to hang out a little longer before they they find out. Um, there's going to be a rush uh, for 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 sort of new gear sort of late in the game, maybe later than usual. And if you've got something that you need to sort of round out your bag for the upcoming season, make sure you check them out at thehockeyshop.com, online or in person at the store in Surrey. Um, they basically, everything you need. If you're going in buying off the rack and you just need white, they got it. Colors, they've got a deep enough selection they'll be able to set you up for whatever your local hockey team looks for um, or looks like this year. Uh, top level, pro level, down to down to sort of the senior and, and intermediate and junior sizes. Cam's equipped. He is stocked up. The new stuff, the new genetic, everything is there. Just make sure you check them out. Get sized up right. Maybe you've had a growth spurt since the last time you've been on the ice. Wish I could say that myself. Um, maybe like me, you've shrunk since the last time you've been on the ice. Maybe like me, you need a bigger helmet because you haven't had a haircut in a year and a half guaranteed cam's the guy to get you sized up properly for your upcoming season it may feel like it's last minute but they've got the inventory to make sure you're taken care of sized up right and ready to play your best this year so make sure you check them out at the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com we've had more than one discussion uh, on this podcast about uh, mask fitting and how the back plate should fit and it shouldn't be sticking out can you imagine uh, a hutch what woody's back plate would look like with that mop of a salad that he's got right now, if he if he puts the mask on and and tries to go out and play, I, I think there's no way he's getting everything in there and the plate not sticking out and being able to put uh, a, a couple of fingers between the mask and and the plate. Yeah, too much salad for the bowl on Woody over there, isn't it? The, the, <laughs> uh, the question is going to be, how it? does that back plate feel when I've got it in a man bun? Well, I yeah, I think I think he'd be safe Ooh. though because there's so much hair there. It just provides all the padding in that big gap anyway. So, I, you know, in Woody's case, he's probably fine. There's not yeah. much left to protect up there, anyways, guys. Let's be honest. Uh, I can't wait uh, to to get a picture of that when you when you send it off. Uh, let's get into our gear segment. The Brian's Genetic Five is out. Just uh, set the table for us, Woody, if you can, before we uh, hand things off to uh, to Cam over at thehockeyshop.com, because this uh, this has been much anticipated uh, from uh, goalies only. Well, I mean, it's been a couple of years, right? No new line last year with the pandemic and everything that went on. Uh, is everyone, I think most people know by now, Brian's is a company that launches in the fall. And so... Um, Genetic 4 was an exceptional product. The question was going to be, you know, how do you take it forward? They've sort of developed two very unique lines. For the longest time, Brian's lines were kind of blending together where the features from one matched the features from the other and there wasn't a lot to differentiate the two. You've got that differentiation now with the optic line and the genetic line, genetic being sort of a softer, more flexible, at least in terms of feel. And even though they've added some things, as Cam will tell us, some carbon uh, layering into the core to sort of firm up the genetic pad, it still has a lot of that sort of connected flex feel that we've come to expect from the line. So um, excited to see what else has changed. And I think rather than give it away myself, let's just turn it over to Cam and then let him fill us in on all the sort of new evolutions that they've added to this Genetic 5 line. It's a lot more than just the new graphic you've seen uh, on their um, social media pages. 
It is the gear segment on Ingold Radio, the podcast presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports story, thehockeyshop.com. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're down in Goalie Utopia, where another slice of heaven has arrived uh, down here in the store in the goalie department. We've talked a lot about uh, new launches, new product right through the summer, especially with some of the delays tied to shipping and the pandemic. Well, today we've got a new product that's right on time. As many of you know, Brian's is one of the few companies that launches its product kind of in this sort of early September, heading into a new season as opposed to the spring. And that means it's time for a brand new Genetic 5. And in addition to being, dare I say, quite a sexy looking product, um, there are some improvements that are definitely worth noting on the Genetic 5, which I have here. And I've just got a Genetic 4 next to me from a couple years ago, just for comparison's sake, so that we can sort of highlight some of those changes in the pad itself. But there are changes in the glove, in the blocker. This might be the best sidewall. Uh, that I've seen Brian's produce ever um, and an area, frankly, where I think there was uh, room for improvement in terms of the sturdiness of it. We'll talk about the composite material that goes into that, but let's start where we always start, Cam. Let's start with the leg pads. Brand new, Brian's Genetic 5 leg pad. What's different? What's changed? Composite material. So this one's a big one up in the upper thigh portion. Now, it's not that necessarily like the old pad was flexy by any means uh, in terms of floppy up at the thigh, but this is now a, a much significant upgrade and a big reinforcement for this upper thigh rise. So they are using their new Brycore, which is a triaxial foam technology, carbon foam. So we've got basically a, a layer of composite sandwiched between um, two layers of foam. Try, get it, three. I can count today. But it's Bry. But it's Brycore. As in Bryant. Nothing goes over this finely quaffed <laughs> head of Cam's. Uh, as he talked about uh, in terms of the thigh rise being a little more rigid, we have seen as, as, you know, I will say that their foam and their core material has been as durable as any on the market over the past couple of years. Uh, but we have seen at times when, when goalies order, especially in, in the genetic line where it was designed to be, you know, more of a flexible pad, you know, frankly, um, we saw it right up to the NHL with Robin Lehner in the playoffs a couple of years ago. I think it was in the bubble where, you know, that could get enough flex in it to hit a thigh rise and trapdoor its way through. Uh, that's been solved with the new Brycore and that layer of carbon to sort of just stiffen it up a little bit. Um, really nice sort of thin profile on the pad as well. Uh, you can sort of see the curve on it. Uh, just... Again, sort of continuing in that genetic line compared to optic where this is more of a, a flex and feel pad. And yet again, there are some other changes. Uh, let, why don't we start with the bottom and the boot where this one's gonna sit a little higher. It's not quite as shallow in the boot area as the four was. And we'll, we'll, we'll get the cameras up close on that. You can see that little bit of a bump where the skate sits. So it'll sit a little higher on your leg. Uh, what are some of the other changes that we've seen, Cam, in the pads? So yes, that internal boot razor, which you just called out there as well, um, a bit of a visual um, as well as in terms of functional is it's keeping, uh, again, the pad just puffed up a little bit more, should allow the skate to drop out of the pad just a little bit easier too as well to create better um, you know, edge catch as you're down with the butterfly. Torsional flex still remains. Um, again, the pad just having a bit of twist to it. So especially when you're dropping down in the butterfly, 
helping to get the rest of that pad to seal and come down. Exactly. So instead of having, you know, shift here, push the pad up at the top, it's going to flex down again, a little bit of that twist to allow the pad to stay flush, even as you put pressure on the back of it. Knee stack is improved. Uh, they've beefed it up a little bit and uh, laced it in this time around to create a little bit more structure as well. So that's one of the bigger differences between that and the four. A little bit more rigidity when you're dropping again. Correct. So you don't want that getting floppy. You don't want that getting floppy to the point, folks, where it can beat the inside edge of the pad down. That's going to delay your seal. Correct. Uh, this will improve it. It's quite a bit. It, it's quite a bit more rigid. It's definitely a pretty significant upgrade for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's noticeably. It feels almost thicker too. I, I mean, I know there's rules and maximums there, but it just feels sturdier and thicker than what's on the four. Uh, you've got the little pro bump at the end to sort of create a level dropping field. Now inside, we've also got some changes. We talk about sealing the ice. Uh, significantly thicker underneath your calf in terms of a landing area. Nice soft plush. Um, that's going to help put that pressure down on that calf plate and completely seal off that pad. Biggest upgrade for it as well. Um, also some refinements in the actual internal of the pad. You're seeing that SBA foam that they've used before and just exclusively on the, just the knee pad, for example, of where you land. Now they've used it all the way throughout the cradle and the leg channel of the pad itself. Nice, cough, uh, comfy foam, um, moisture wicking qualities. Um, however, I, I would say it is a little bit grippier, but that's not necessarily a bad thing for this style of a pad because you don't want it slopping all the way around on your leg. And again, it's designed, it's a pad. This is a pad that's designed to sort of move with your leg, maybe be worn a little tighter compared to say an optic line, uh, a little more move with your leg as opposed to around your leg, a little more feel and connection is something Correct. you'd be looking for in this pad or most goalies would look for in the optic line. So one thing I do like about this is as much as they've had, you have this pillow and that's going to improve your seal. And I think we remember even in Genetic 4 sort of just how comfortable you felt in the butterfly. It felt like it almost supported you in the butterfly. Uh, without having tested this, it feels like that's going to be a continuation of that theme. But I like how they've tapered it off nice and high. So as much as this is thick and it's going to sit on the ice and help your seal, you don't want this up. You don't, you want that skate to be able to get to the ice to prevent any sort of uh, resistance without much resistance and I like how this tapers off so that'll happen now the question you ask anytime we improve seal that means we have more pressure more connection between the inside edge and the ice well more connection more pressure to the inside edge could inhibit sliding they've taken care of that obviously we've got the opti slide material uh, that continues, which which we've really Opti been impressed with. Opti slide necessarily the way it's set up. The actual material though is still Brian's Primo material. That doesn't change. The Opti slide is the way it's cut. Okay. To so optimize. I, I learned something, which doesn't happen very often when I'm with Cam, to be honest with you. But what oh, I'm going to teach him now every day. is they have actually stiffened up the inside edge. Uh, higher density foams in here, uh, which will again improve the sliding to offset anything you might have lost with the seal. So um, some, some pretty big changes in the Genetic 5, but also some themes that kind of continue over in terms of what you'd expect from a fit, feel, and performance uh, in this line if you've been a long time Brian's guy and you're trying to decide between optic and genetic. Uh, those differ the differentiation between the two lines sort of continues. Correct. Uh, one little quick call out, and just because I really like this, as just an added durability feature, Vines has added actually added a strip of uh, Gem Pro along the side of the pad. So anytime you get that little bit of over tighten, for example, with using your um, uh, Velcro straps, 
just a wear feature. Uh, I just like it. It's a nice little quick call out. It's just a highlight of some of the care and what they do in terms of their hand built pads. So um, I'd say that pretty much about covers it for pads wise. Um, moving on. I want to, I want to, I want to, let's start with the blocker. Okay. Um, because uh, Brian's always had a good feeling blocker, uh, but I wouldn't necessarily have called it the most protective blocker, especially on that inside edge um, compared to some of the other options that are out there on the market. Uh, they've stiffened this up significantly. They've increased the protection over the fingers. This still feels, you know, like that mobility in mm -hmm. terms of being able to steer pucks that you want. Um, that balance that I remember from their blockers. Obviously, we've got the boa strap for the wrist. If you want to tighten it up quite easily, never, never really understood why everyone wears their wrist tight. I want that mobility. But just a lot more protection on the inside edge. It's not curved. It's not soft. It's got some, some beef to it. And also over top of the fingers, this, this might be the most, and this is, hey, I haven't been out in it yet, folks, but this, this feels like out of the box. We often gloss over blockers, but this feels like a significant improvement. Yeah, and it has a lot to do with, again, that uh, carbon phone that we were talking about earlier. Uh, that Brycore technology uh, returns in the blocker itself um, for the actual blocker board face and the sidewall. Again, calling out how much stiffer that is in terms of rigidity-wise. Again, as you are sealing up, that's a nice solid surface and still also good solid punch because we know sometimes you do catch that occasional sidewall as you beat yourself to the puck, for example. Um, better finger protection as well. It's been beefed up. You get that nice kind of almost armadillo wrap to your fingers. Nothing's exposed. Removable thumb pillow. Um, nice little call out there. That helps pump out the sidewall just that little bit more. But if you are looking for a little bit more space and a little bit more freedom where your thumb is at, that just felt goes out nice and easy. Beyond that, we still are very, very close to that genetic four blocker, just in terms of feel and balance point on the hand. But I will say the addition of that carbon foam um, and especially that sidewall definitely takes it a leg up for sure. So um, great feeling blocker, but not the last piece. Yeah, you're hiding the glove over there. Uh, let's share that with the folks. Genetic five, bullet catcher. What's different? What does it feature? Again. Seems to be a common let, theme. Let me get this. Let me guess. Brycor? Ah, you did it. Okay. Brycor, especially in the thumb um, and cuff angle of the glove itself, um, providing some more rigidity and some stiffness to the cuff profile. Um, big things that I found different about this, like, for example, it's still got that great uh, closure right out of the box with that genetic forehat. Um, bit of a flatter uh, finger angle. Um, I think, again, it's more of a differentiation now between this and the actual optic glove itself in terms of the, the way the angle closes and how the glove closes on your hand. I do like that it has a nice steep deflection towards it. Um, we'll see kind of over time how that looks. Uh, I believe there is carbon on this side as well, so it's going to stay fairly rigid and fairly flat in that kind of area. Um, presents big. It does exactly. present big. It is a little, that, that sort of straight finger... It's a little, it jumps out at you when you first pull it out of the box. I mean, obviously it closes beautifully. And obviously we've known for a while that Brian's pockets tend to suck pucks in the way they've designed the glove, most pucks end up in there. But it was interesting to see that lack of any curve on the fingers. It does, but, but when you do sort of present it to a shooter, it looks really big. Exactly, exactly. Um, moving to the backhand, bit of a redesign on how they've done the finger protection for the glove as well. So again, you get a nice wrap with that carbon material again to help prevent Again, with those slashes coming you down. You need me to go get a stick? No, it's, it's okay. Still okay. Thank you, though. Still, still bruised from last week? Still bruised from last week. On extension of the actual finger length itself, so again, indicative of how uh, much this actually backhand has changed, for example, 
Uh, I feel like my fingers come to right in about there and I've still got all that more in terms of for the way the glove kind of wraps around. So it's a bit of a different feeling for sure. You know, normally I find that, you know, I sit a lot deeper in a lot of gloves and I get my fingers all the way around. So, um, and yet it closes like, exactly. It's not like it affects day. the closure at all. So like I said, it's a bit of an interesting feel. It's one of those things that you kind of got to pick up and try on yourself to know kind of what, what, what I'm feeling here. Yeah. And just so you know, like we talked about the presentation, how good it looks easy there, Felix pot van holding it into your chest. Show, show the folks at home how it presents. Well, first of all, quick, quick backhand look, quick backhand look, Boa does make its return. You get a wrist strap and Boa backhand strap. So again, you like that really, really tight glove. Your hand ain't going anywhere, but it's not affecting the closure either, which is that fantastic. Is, like, I gotta say, like ever since they introduced that, I, when, when they originally introduced it, we had questions. Um, all but these not, years later, there is no better way to sort of lock your hand into a glove. And you saw the two piece there, like, Personally, I've talked about that wrist. I want the wrist mobile, so I leave that loose. The back of the hand, it just locks you into that glove completely. But that's the thing with the way that they've designed the wrist too, is that you can really torque floating, down on that. Free floating, floating, wrist, floating wrist cuff, and I can still have that wrist mobility while having it nicely torqued down. So. And what are we, what, how many years are we into them using the BOA product, which is a product we see in all kinds of other uh, sports and industry applications. Was I it Sub-Zero 3? So it's been a while. It's I think been, it was sub three. So multiple generations with the boa in there. We've had one break in all those years, and it was a quick part and an easy fix. Took took about thirty seconds to watch a video and fix it. Was and it if I three? can fix it in thirty seconds, it's not. Oh a man! Now we're thinking genetic three, maybe. It's been at least five six years. At it's least. been a while. Yeah, we could sit here and wait for Cam to figure out the math, uh, or we could get him to give you the number where you can call and get more details on. Genetic 5, which will be in stock in the store here at the Hockey Shop or online at thehockeyshop.com. Or, of course, custom orders. Um, we talk about the spec. We talk about that boot sitting a little higher. You got to ask Cam, hey, is that going to affect sizing for me? Get all those questions answered by calling Cam and his staff where? 604-589-8299. Or check them out at thehockeyshop.com. Send them an email. Cam doesn't actually have off hours. Um, he tries to pretend to ignore my calls in the middle of the night asking about the latest glove break, but he typically does pick up. So just I, make sure you give well, any hour, store hours, him, store text hours, him all the time. He's married. I'm but not it giving out matter. my personal number. I'm sorry. Nobody's been interested in your personal number in years, Cam. <laughs> but they are interested in the genetic five. So make sure you come to thehockeyshop.com or if you can in person. Take it off the wall, chest, test it out, get a feel for it yourself. Cam, thanks for walking us through the new Genetic 5. Thanks, Cam. Love, love new lines coming from uh, Brian's and Goalies Only. They do so many cool things with their graphics. And then uh, you look at uh, uh, the pads and the gloves of the uh, Genetic 5, or as I call it, the Genetic V. For, for you Roman numeral people, this genetic five. Hutch wants to be all fancy and, and correct me all the time, but I call, I call it V for victory. That's what, I, that's what I'm going with right now, Hutch. Can't, can't even pick that one up. But what I did see today is that they uh, also dropped on Instagram two new sets for Mikey DiPietro and uh, Yaro Halak with Vancouver. So a couple hot new looks coming out there. Give me a little, uh, little tidbit uh, of a tease of it. Well, I loved Halak's because it just sort of looks like a Sort of a combo paint stripe sort of cat scratch down the down the middle of the pad. It's a super simplistic, but uh it's literal really drip, man. It's drip literally. Yeah. And what about uh Mikey? 
Uh, that was more stock, though, wasn't it, Woody? It just it looked more like the stock graphic, just in in Canuck colors. But uh, and but quite often sharp. that's the way Brian's goalies will do it. Like yeah. uh, Yarrow obviously has had his custom graphics for years, um, and there are some goalies that'll roll that way. But usually when Brian's introduces a new line, they 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 don't mind it when their pros rep it in the stock graphic at least out of the gate. So what I could see very much happening for Michael DiPietro this year is that stop stock graphic out of the gate and then something custom halfway through the season on his second set. Hey, uh, do you guys know the story? And uh, I know, I'm sure we've talked about it before, but I, off the top of my head, I can't remember it. What's the, what's the secret to Yarrow Halak maintaining such pristine white to his pad? Does he have a practice set? Does he scrub out the puck marks in between? Does there, there's something there. Okay, so he definitely has a practice set of pads, which we've written about. He's the only guy, we've talked about practice gloves. He's the only guy in the league I know that has a practice set. Um, I do believe he does clean his pads on a semi-regular, if not super regular basis. I've heard different stories. I've even asked Chris Joswiak, their pro rep, this before, so I should know the answer. Unfortunately, there are a lot of things that rattle around (laughs) in his brain, and I can't remember (laughs) what the clear answer is. But, but... The most exciting news of the week, which we missed off the top of the show, is that we will be back in National Hockey League locker rooms. And with the addition of Vancouver's farm team down the street, we'll be in the AHL rooms this year as well. So um, double vaxxed, wearing a mask, I will be able to answer and ask, ask and retrieve those answers for you all year long, Darren. So I'm super excited about that news. And yeah, there, there you go. I'm maybe a little confused. Can't remember everything clearly. I do know he has practice pads, but I'll get to see them in person, pick them up, have him explain to me why and all those things like we used to do uh, back for In Goal Magazine and the In Goal Premium members. We'll be able to finally take you back into the rooms like we have in years past. And I am excited as all can be for that. Because there are no puck marks on Yaroslav Halak's pads uh, when he goes out there, or his, or his uh, glove and blocker. It's it's awesome. Well, if you, if you know uh, of a story like that, do you do something like that? Uh, let us know. Uh, send us an email. Hutch, uh, let us know uh, what that email address is and how people can get in touch with us. Darren and Woody, that email address is podcast at ingolmag.com. And we've received uh, a few different responses over the last uh, little bit. Some great stories and uh, some great uh, uh, correspondence from listeners. How they're they're keeping in touch with uh, with the podcast. How they're listening. It's uh, it's been great to to hear from everybody. I just love it. We get everything from gear questions, following up on the podcast, to just uh, thank you because we listen to your podcast on you know as we're commuting to the to the rink to. Um, and, and I'm feeling really bad now because I don't remember the name and I would love to give a shout out here. Um, but we had a, a beer leaguer send us an awesome save. Uh, oh, that was Teddy. Teddy. Okay. There you go. Awesome yeah. paddle save. But what I loved, it was just like the quintessential goalie slash beer league comment that it turned into an essential third assist on the winning goal or an important goal in the game. So I, I'll, I'd love to claim <laughs> third assist. So out of boy, good job. Yeah, didn't Teddy give the puck away, made a desperation save, and then the puck went around and they scored? Yeah, it was awesome. Something like that. It was, uh, yeah, it, it yeah, was awesome. And then... Exactly. In, in a 50-plus game, which uh, at least I'm familiar with, that, that he's I. still playing, which is so cool, Teddy. Yeah, no, that was, that was absolutely awesome. Also, um, 
shout out this week, cool story. I just happened to be flipping through Twitter and noticed that uh, a young goaltender, 14 years old, uh, Spencer Michnik, I hope I got that right, uh, started a game in the Alberta Junior Hockey League this year. Um, it, the first exhibition for, for a team. And uh, of course, I had to look it up because I've got a son roughly the same age and found out that they actually have the identical birthday. So so wow. Dad, Derek, and I had a little correspondence. I just sent him a, hey, congratulations. What an awesome experience. What an awesome thing to do. And uh, and he just said, hey, um, Spencer reads all the stuff on Ingoal, and we listen to your podcast all the time as we're commuting to the rink. So thanks so much. And so big shout out to Spencer and Derek as well. At 14. Yeah, I mean, he'll be 15 in October. But uh, but yeah, fantastic, eh? So 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. He can play... Six years junior. No, no. I, know, I know. I know he's not going to play. Yeah, yeah. Because because you can only play five games as a fifteen year old in Canadian right, junior hockey. Exactly. So, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, but it's still pretty friggin' awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's wild. Woody, how many uh, how many games junior you play? Actually, you didn't take up the game until after he was golfing. Well no, he's playing baseball your... then. Yeah, yeah. I was. It wasn't even my sport back then, let alone my position. See what how things changed. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. And Zane McIntyre is the same way. Like he was a he was a late uh, add to the hockey world, and the way he got involved in in hockey and, and then goaltending and then the professional ranks is a wild journey. And we'll get into that as uh, we get to our feature interview present presented by Sensorina Sensorina VR Hutch. Yeah, good friends at Sensorina. And look, now that hockey's back, you know what I'm really excited to see. How many times am I going to step into a rink this year and find a kid with the headset on getting ready to go on the ice, prepping it? Because I think that's an awesome idea, right? We've talked before about it being a bit of a cheat code. The fact that when you're facing those real shooters in, in the virtual world, uh, it really helps your tracking. It really helps your vision, gets you ready to go on the ice. And, and I predict we're going to see a handful of goaltenders in the rink, outside the room, sort of, you know, in the half gear tracking some pucks, getting ready to go on the ice. And, and I think we're going to start hearing from more and more people that it's been uh, an incredible add to the game. So Sense Arena, incredible tool to give us, you know, for, for training away from the rink. But I actually think we're going to start to see it creep into the rink. And I think people should consider uh, giving it a go and see, see it, how it can help you, not just as an off-ice training tool, but as a prep for going on ice, guys. Uh, the wheels are turning in, in woody land right now. Oh, Woody's going to be in the middle of the dressing room doing it. As the guys are getting ready, he's going to be in the middle. They've it's given us awesome. guys throwing tape balls at him while he's making saves. They've given us a full half hour before the games. I think I can get there, get dressed, and get in a little sense arena before it starts. And then we're now allowed a half an hour after the game. So I'm envisioning a couple beers with teammates and them trying to make saves and getting lit up after. I give up a couple in the real game. I think I'll be able to sort of, you know, hey guys, guess what? It's not that easy. Jerks. Try this. Jerks. That ex exactly. That's exactly uh, what it is. Like, give, uh, this, all, give this a try. Imagine, like, imagine actually I can get them to put the headset on and they can't see anything. And then I can just take my stick and whack them upside the top of the head, not hitting the sense arena and the actual, and then just tell them, hey guys, that's like warm up. Didn't see it coming. Yeah. Wasn't even looking. You just took one right <laughs> off the bucket. Uh, the thing sensory does in the back for us, of guys. It's just yeah, awesome. I know sensory. It's 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 all uh, it's all encompassing. Uh, the way they they 
think about uh, everything and then we can just piggyback off it. Hatch, you, you talk about goaltenders using Sensorina VR uh, to get ready for a game. Uh, would you would you do it before you got dressed, like just in your in your warm up gear, or would you like put on the pads and the glove pads and not, maybe not your upper body and do it right before, like literally right before you went out uh, for a warm up? What do you, what do you think? I think the majority of goalies are probably going to keep it at home and they're probably going to get ready before they head to the rink. But uh, I think you're going to see a group that's going to have um, real interest in, you know, you, you get out there pads and, and skates and everything around, just no upper body gear and, uh, and get ready before you go on the ice uh, using Sense Arena then. I'm thinking that there'd be more value in a sense arena warm-up than the crap my teammates throw at me at beer league. So I might just stay in the freaking locker room until they're ready to drop the puck and then pop out <laughs> late. The only downside though is I won't don't know do I use my warm-up stick, guys, or do I Well we'll have uh, to we'll have to ask Bob and the team at Sense Arena if they can produce warm-up sticks in the virtual world too. Exactly. The warm-up stick. If, I, I, like if Cam doesn't sell something like that, he's missing an opportunity. Like a special sale. Maybe it's on discontinued twigs or something like that. The Woody warm-up stick rack. Ooh, I, I think, like it. I think, I think there's still a couple of the, uh, the CCM older, the premier lower level model ones that we talked about actually being ideal for that type of environment Perfect, or practice. Yeah. Uh, I think there's still actually still the back to hockey sale. There's still a few remnants that might even be two for one. Wow. Uh, I'm going to check it out. And uh, as I do that, I'll bring in our feature interview. Zane McIntyre catches up uh, on all of the news in his life, his journey, and uh, and where he got involved in the sport. A couple of great uh, uh Drops here, Gino Gasparini, who uh, who I remember way back when at UND, the coach of uh, North Dakota, and just uh, the, the the fighting suit. Like just this this took me back a ways, and then also was so appreciative of of what he went through, and then his family ties. It's a wonderful conversation with David Hutchison on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Our feature interview brought to you by Sensorina Sensorina VR. So we are here with Zane McIntyre. We are in beautiful Kelowna at the Net360 goaltending camp. And Zane's been kind enough to sit down with us for a few minutes here for uh, for an upcoming podcast. Zane, welcome to Ingol Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure being here and it'll be fun. One place we just love to start all the time with guys is uh, how did you get started? Uh, why goaltending and, and what age? Give us the origin story of Zane McIntyre. Yeah. Um, so my grandma was a professor at the University of North Dakota, uh, season tickets there. And we'd always do this um, skate with a Sioux. At the time, they're called the Fighting Sioux. Okay. So there's a skate with a Sioux where you go on the ice and actually skate with the Sioux, get autographs. Uh, magic. Yeah. Absolute magic if you're four, five, six, seven years old. And yeah. I was eight at the time and still didn't have any skates on. So I walked out there with my boots and uh, Gino Gasparini gave me a hard time for, uh, not having my skates on <laughs> okay. and just shuffling out there. So after that, I kind of took that to heart and said, all right, like I'm going to go put on some skates. So eight years old, I threw on my first pair of skates. First time skating. Wow. Yeah. And then, uh, just got going from there and 
no one really volunteered to be a goalie uh, in the next couple of years of the levels I played. So I jumped in there and actually really enjoyed it yeah. and uh, stuck with it for a couple of years. And then I was 13 years old and just decided I wanted to be a defenseman. So went on, tried uh, defense for one year, tried out for the PWA team, uh, ended up making that. And then halfway through that year, they asked if I could play both positions okay. when I wasn't in That's net unusual. and the other guy was playing I had play defense so stealing some ice time from some uh, <laughs> some, uh, some guys so the parents weren't too happy and they just said after that year like hey gotta make a you, choice yeah you gotta make a decision uh, so ended up being a goalie just enjoyed it that's awesome. Not many kids these days even get that opportunity to be able to do both small town uh, Minnesota how do, you, <laughs> how do you feel it helped you? Uh, I think there's a lot of aspects that were pretty nice um just being able to read a play, I think I have a fairly decent mindset and um, like ability to read plays and hockey sense more so. And that maybe came from playing defense or playing out 13 years when I was 13 years old, you know. So I think that's helped and just skating ability too, right? Like uh, you're just able to feel your edges, you know, when you're skating out and, and moving around. And then even when you're in your net too, like it helped in that aspect so there's definitely some pros and cons to it both but maybe <laughs> maybe i'd be a little bit quicker or something or maybe i'd be that much smarter if i just played goalie the whole time who knows i just, just it's not the right way it's not the wrong way it's just it's my unique way I yeah guess. well and you made a career out of it too so yeah so yeah. well done uh, so und are sort of the origins of your your game but then you grew up playing in, in minnesota yep. uh, how'd you end up at und then after that um, so I was actually in the recruiting process and whatnot. Uh, I had a gentleman named Jake Brandt. He was my Bantam coach and former goalie at the University of North Dakota. He's actually working in Thiefer Falls where I was playing, set to play like my senior year of high school. Just came back from, um, University of Minnesota, like, uh, they call it the like, go for a week or go for a state hockey tournament where they bring some recruits in and use it as a little recruiting tool. So I came back with gopher shorts on and came into his <laughs> office and he just said, no, that's not going to fly. He called Coach Haxtell and on that day committed to North Dakota. So it was a quick little turnaround, but that's where I initially committed, but I, was, I fell in love with it just from day one with my grandma and she's a professor there. We go there every week and basically we go to the big city to shop and stuff from small town Thiefer Falls. So it, uh, yeah, we just fell in love with it as a young, young kid and, um, super, super cool that I was able to, to experience it and play close to home because not too many people to get to do that. No, they don't. And to grow up sort of idolizing those guys and then realize your dream there. Yep. And so your grandma was a professor there. Is that right? Correct. And then you went and took the same degree. I tried to just with the hockey schedule. Um, it was a little bit of a time commitment to, to be in the program, the occupational therapy program. Yep. And I just couldn't major in it just because the, the, the practice times and stuff, like they just didn't line up correctly. So I ended up going to the next best thing, which was psychology, majored in that and got my bachelor of science in that. Oh, congrats. But you, you actually left school early to sign pro. Correct. But you, you stuck with it to graduate. Yeah, I was able to, usually in the summers we go back and it's like a, mandatory optional like to be there in the summers and like work work out so it's okay. it's usually great uh to actually take advantage of that and we take a couple classes 
usually it's just one. Some guys might do two classes in the summer, mm -hmm. but that way you're those two, three summers you're there, they add up for basically a semester class uh, or like two year degree. Sure, yeah, yeah. So I only had 12 credits to graduate once I left after my junior year. So pounded those out the next, like the following within the next two summers and stuff and was able to get my degree. Congrats. Now, is, yeah. that, is, that, is that a personal thing? Did you promise grandma you were going to finish when you decided uh, you were going to be a student? Or? Yeah, well, my grandma passed uh, like after, or sorry, before I would have graduated. But uh, I was just more so grew up with like education and made like my mom and my grandma and my sister made sure that yeah, go to yeah. school and you take care of your, your grades and your marks. So that was, I think, more of like an upbringing type of thing. You do something, you got you to complete finish. it and yeah, finish it the whole way. Awesome. What a, what a, what a great example. Yeah. So you've talked about your grandma um, a few times already and the story there is, is fantastic because you didn't grow up Zane McIntyre, did you? No, Zane Gothberg, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it started at all, yeah. So tell us about that. Uh, so she ended up passing, and uh, I don't know, I thought about doing something like a tattoo or something to, to honor her, um, but needed something a little bit more concrete or something a little bit more uh, special to me. And growing up, it was myself, my mom, my sister, and my grandma, so... We'd either flip-flop, like I'd go with my grandma to hockey tournaments, and my sister played as well. She was a goalie too. Oh, right so, on. So uh, I'd go with my grandma. My mom would take my sister. We'd go our separate ways and meet up uh, back on Sunday, and yeah. we'd do that uh, probably every weekend in the winter and then sporadically every second or third weekend in the summer too, right, with the summer tournaments going on. So we just had a great bond. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't the right way, the wrong way to grow up. It was just our family, sure and way. that's what we that's what we did. So, uh, I needed something to kind of, I don't know, enjoy and, uh, had a bunch of memorable times with her. So something special to, to kind of change my name and, and honor that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Incredible. What's the reception in the dressing room when you do that? Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I did it in the summer, so it's like, I kind of came back a new man, uh, <laughs> to right. the, to the dressing room. Everyone's giving me a little bit of a hard time. Like, ah, oh, let up a goal or something. Yeah. We want Gothberg back. <laughs> we want Gothberg back. But no, it was it was good. It was pretty cool. And yeah, a lot of people, I mean, pretty cool story. And um, oh. definitely something personal. And I think you kind of throw yourself out there a little bit, like vulnerable about uh, that stuff. But everybody had positive remarks and really kind of enjoyed it. So it's uh, a lot of fun. Hockey community is a special place. Yeah everybody's you're in, you're in the same boat and everybody's doing it together and yeah they'll support you no matter what you know even if you're going up against a guy for playing time or ice time or whatever like it's a unique uh sport where all the guys join together wonderful and of course you have another tribute to grandma too right she's on your helmet usually she's on the, yeah she's on the back plate always represent we gotta fix that white bucket you're using here <laughs> no. yeah yeah we gotta find a team first and then we, we get a paint job for that so Please. Keep, keep a back plate for every bucket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that works, right? That, that's really, really great. Okay, so so UND decided to leave early, and uh, what happened there? How did that come about? Yeah, that was maybe one of the most difficult decisions I think I've had in my, in my time, you know, uh, my hockey career. I was absolutely torn because I knew we'd have a, kind of a wagon of a team coming back for my senior year. Uh, but then also with, who's, who's on that team just for people to be familiar with, uh, we had the big line was, uh, the Schmaltz, Besser, Kajula line. Um, that was guys who absolutely 
torched up the NCAA the following year. Yeah. Um, and then the, the NHL. Yeah, and yeah. then the NHL as well. <laughs> On the back end, we had Tucker Pullman, uh, Paul Ledoux, Gage Osmus, Keaton Thompson, Troy Stetcher in Detroit. Um, Christian Milano would have been there that next year. And uh, just a bunch of guys who were experienced. We went through some hardships like losing in the Frozen Four the past two years before that and right. coming so close that I think the next year like we knew we were going to get over the hump. So I knew that was going to happen, but I also thought it was maybe the best move. You know, I made a move in the decision where I had some decent amount of success the year before and was ready to make that next jump and that next challenge in my career, basically. Can you... Can you tell us a little bit about what that process is like for a young athlete? I mean, who's, who's counseling you? (laughs) Who do you go to, to talk to? What's the, uh, what's the conversation like with your NHL team? Um, just, is there any insight you can give us to the experience? Yeah. Um, I could probably sit and talk uh, for a couple hours on (laughs) this situation. That'll be uh, the next podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Basically. Right. But, uh, the biggest thing was, in my certain position, I had a chance to uh, to not only leave, but then sign as a free agent as well because of my time. Right. So I first, A, had to make the decision if I was going to go or not or stay in college. And then B, the next decision was to sign with the original team that drafted me. Or, or not. S- yeah, jump ship and sign somewhere else. Um, so it was back and forth, riding the waves of emotion and different information that's coming out uh, from both parties and both people kind of pulling you uh, their directions. Mm-hmm. But the nice part was I had a candid conversation with Coach Haxtell and uh, the staff at North Dakota, and they almost gave me like a little blessing, you know, mm-hmm. saying, hey, like, you're ready for any challenge you take, whether it's staying here or whether it's going, just make sure you know that and you make your decision and you can live with it and commit to it. So that was kind of a, a cool, cool experience there. And basically just gave me solid, like solidified the decision and, uh, just had some counsel with, uh, obviously the coaches there that I played for my agent at the time and, uh, my family too. And I was able to really listen to a couple goalie coaches that I've had. Carl Gearing was another guy at North Dakota that I really put a lot of faith in and still do. And then another gentleman, Dave Rogalski, who's been training with him for, for a while now and another father figure. So those were two guys that helped me a lot in that, in that decision and just wrote stuff down. I made sure everything was in front of me. Um, made sure I just had all the information and made the best decision that I thought was right for me at the time. And yeah, you just make your decision and you got to make sure you commit to it and know in your heart that it's the right thing. And uh, from there, you just jump into the deep end and go for it. Can't look back. Yeah, right? Because yeah. if you do, then you're then you're second guessing and you're getting in your own way and stuff. So, How many sleepless nights before you made the decision? Uh, well, it was too many to count, yeah. to be honest. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was pretty difficult because like I grew up there. I grew up in the area. Yeah, exactly. Loved the place had a lot of heart, like we went through some heartbreak, right? Losing to BU and then year before that, losing in 0.6 seconds to, to the Minnesota Gophers. So it was, yeah, we knew we were, we were in for a treat next year, but it is what it is. Made the decision, just uh, kept going forward. There you go. So now you start a pro career? Yep. And where'd you start? What was that like? Uh, so we were pretty spoiled in 
uh, University of North Dakota, like our amenities, locker rooms, all were unbelievable. So I ended up going to camp in Boston. I get sent down to the American League in Providence, Providence and yeah. I'm walking in and going to the bathroom and we just have like a strip of carpet, like leading up to the urinals and stuff. And it was like, there's stuff all over. It was a little dirty and stuff. And they go from marble floors and <laughs> everything at North Dakota, like thinking, where the heck am I right now? Cause yeah. never been to Providence, Rhode Island, never even been to the East coast except for playing hockey. And, um, my junior career was two hours away from my hometown. My college career was an hour away from my hometown. So similar to the guys that play junior and go to pro, like I was just kind of thrown in the fire and it was a little bit more, um, socially, I'd say able to, to control it, just like paying bills, going grocery shopping, all it's that a lot fun to stuff learn there. because yeah, I going through college, so I did that, but it was definitely a learning curve and an adjustment just because you're halfway across the country. You don't have the people that you've leaned on like close by where I could just go home and grab a bite to eat or, you know, mom's coming to town. She could take some laundry and go. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was a little bit of a wake up call and, um, definitely not struggle, but had some maturing to do my first year of pro and, uh, definitely figured it out a little bit. It's my second year and, uh, kind of just went from there. So, uh, now it's, year six, I think year six, going into year seven, something like that. And learned definitely a lot of things, uh, along the way and still growing, you know, like then still trying to grow my game and learn, uh, some, some different ways to stop the puck and obviously ways that are going to help me do that more efficiently. What's that, uh, what's that experience the first time you stepped on the ice for an NHL game? Uh, it's pretty, pretty crazy. I remember going through morning skate and just thinking like, wow. When did you know it was going to happen? Uh, there was rumblings the night before we played back to back. I want to say we were in Boston playing Minnesota. No, we had a day in between Boston playing in, or sorry, in Boston playing against Minnesota. And I ended up coming in relief after that game, in that game. And then the next day was a practice day. And I think I knew that night that I was probably going to be playing. Okay. And, uh, (laughs) didn't sleep too much. Another sleepless night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It headed to the mix. Uh, and then the next day woke up and just remember looking at my phone and getting like a little notification from the NHL app saying like, cause I favorited us with Boston, okay. favorited it and stuff. And so they sent a little notification saying like, took a ass out, like Zane McIntyre to start first career game. And it was just like, wow, like that's kind of pretty surreal. So step on the ice and just kind of try to take a deep breath and soak it in. But, uh, and yeah, pretty surreal experience and just really enjoyed it. A really cool, really cool experience. First start was against Henrik Lundqvist. Second start was against Carey Price. And then third start was uh, in Carolina. So a couple of decent, uh, decent guys to go up against. But from the more you more you, you're around these guys, it's more and more knowledge you get. And the more belief I think you, you get too that, hey, you can do this and you belong. You can, yeah, you can make it happen. So it's at first when I was early in my career, there was maybe some thoughts that were in the other direction, you know, just challenging the belief a little bit, you know. Uh, but now coming and working with a couple guys that I got in my corner now, it's a, it's a different belief system and definitely trying to 
to make sure I can stick now. So are the mental skills coaches, you mean? This sort yeah, of thing? yeah. Yeah. I got a can mental you, can guy. Can you tell us about who they are and what they do? Or uh, So I actually, this guy is named Pete Fry. I've been working with him for a bit. Sorry. Uh, I knew that Pete was one of those yeah, guys. So. <laughs> yeah. Full, full disclosure. Uh, I didn't, yeah, I actually yeah. wasn't lobbing a softball. I just yeah. forgotten for a moment there. Yeah. yeah. No, you're good. That's, uh, well, during quarantine, like sitting there twiddling your thumbs a little so bit. So you're doing some of the grid stuff with the kids online? I and, hopped in yeah. there. Well, I think there was something from either you guys at goal that had a little special with them or not, but just decided to kind of take the next step and put, I don't know, give myself every resource to give me a chance to make it and to, to be successful and not have any excuses looking back 20 years ago or 20 years from now. So I reached out to him during quarantine and, uh, We've just been hitting it off and got a nice little uh, support group with uh, this little mastermind group that we got. And a couple Who else is in your mastermind group? Pretty impressive people. Carl Stankowski, Beck Warm, and then Dylan Ferguson right. as well. So quite the crew. It's just nice to have that um, those guys in our corner. And then Pete's pretty dialed in as far as the organization and seeing your kind of clear picture you want to get to at uh we always talk about that. We were on the golf course last night talking about have a clear picture. <laughs> yeah, have a clear picture for this whole, this exact shot, that's, I guess. That's right. right. That's yeah. right. What, what, so what's your clear picture? Uh, I can't spill the beans too much, okay. but okay. yeah, you got uh, clear pictures, uh, raising a pretty big trophy and uh, looking good in a nice suit at the NHL Awards. Attaboy. So yeah, Attaboy. I got uh, I got a pretty good picture in my mind. Perfect picture. Yeah. Perfect yeah. picture. Was this the first time you met Beck in person? In person, yeah. Over yeah. Zoom, we've been buzzing the past couple months, but this is the, the first time we're actually in person shaking his hand. Right on here at Net360. So yeah. what do you think about this experience? It's, I mean, it's unbelievable. Just uh, the opportunity, the resources, the the people here, like big name people, right? But everybody's here to to have kind of one common goal in mind is getting each individual better. And whether you're a goalie or whether you're a coach, whether you're part of the, the athletic staff, you know, like those guys are trying to get better here too and sure learn from each other. So mm -hmm. it's just a, a conglomerate of amazing people. And I guess when you surround yourself with amazing people, I really enjoy you the collaborative atmosphere you see on the ice. So Instead of just a coach saying, do this, do this, do this, there's a whole lot of discussion, isn't there? Oh yeah. A lot of discussion. And I mean, there's a whole lot of like listening to it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's uh, this old saying, like you got to be a sponge and soak everything up, but it holds true here because there's just so much information and so much knowledge. It's a uh, pretty, pretty unique like position that we play. There's not one exact way to do things. And the more people that show you different aspects or a different mindset or a view on how to play a position, certain poker situation like it's awesome and you can take that and put it into your game it's more tools and tools in the toolbox i guess did you get a tool in the last couple of days yet? yeah uh, yeah yeah we got a yeah, couple yeah. of them yeah, yeah, yeah for sure anything you can share that's goal goalie specific audience here right so you can be as yeah. detailed as you want well a lot of it too is just being able to be connected you know a friend always talks about that like uh your core um there's a term we were doing off ice just triangulating yourself yes. yeah um Head hands, and hands, right? Yeah, hands. And then the specific drill, we would bring our foot out for a lateral lunge and then back into um, like a, almost like a running pose, right? Yeah. So like in, you're bringing it up and like just triangulating your hands with your knee and 
a lot of hard to explain over it, the radio. It's, but it's tough like, on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah but uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, then another thing too that we're trying to hammer today was uh, keeping your thighs high and like your butt high so that you're not like slouching on recoveries or any sort of movement, right? right. Like when you're in your stance. Is that when you were with Dilly? Yeah, that's with so Dilly. Kim from Philadelphia yep, Flyers. Yep, correct. He was there and his big thing was emphasizing like in your stance, you have all these like components that set you up for how to move effectively and like get in position as quick as you can. Uh, so the same thing goes as you're rotating and like down in a butterfly, right? So you want that foundation to not have a sag in your bottom mm -hmm. and try and keep as upright as possible because then it allows your hands to move freely, allows you to project your head to where you want to go and everything kind of follows suit after that instead of pulling away. You and for people away. who can't see this on video because there is none, I can, <laughs> I can see that your upright though has still got a little bit of forward lean to it, right? Like yep. we're not talking about a rigid statue here. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't want to be sitting on your heels essentially. Yeah. You want to be able to have that ability to move left or right and not have your arms swing and go one way as your body and your head project other way. Counter rotation. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. They, I mean, they have a bunch of terms for <laughs> a bunch of different movements, I'm sure. But yeah, counter rotation is one of them. So Yeah, and I, I, one of the things I like here is how a friend, Adam Francilia, is tying the off-ice work that you're doing. And then that's getting tied into what you're doing on the ice because all his stuff is designed around things yeah. like preventing counter rotation. Yeah, exactly. And everything that I think he does is super specific for the position, but... <laughs> can tell he's definitely like put some thought into oh, yeah. each movement and each uh certain thing you're going to do off ice right because he's an intelligent guy and it's yeah like i said earlier it's the resources here are pretty pretty incredible pretty incredible yeah for sure so back to the career so uh had a few games in the show and you had a career in the american league and um got to have an experience in the khl Oh, yeah. Little cup of coffee over in Latvia. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> What's that? What was that like? Uh, yeah, it was, it was a crazy time. Um, I think anybody can say it was a crazy time in the world, right? Like with COVID going on. 100%. Um, so myself personally, I, I wasn't able to get a contract out of free agency at the time. And I, I don't know if I hit the panic button or not, but I just wanted to make sure that no matter what, that I played games in that season because in order, hoped that the following year things would be somewhat back to normal, right? So I wanted to make sure that I kept adding to my resume rather than just sitting at home. Um, so it was nice going over there uh, in the fact that I was able to play games. I was able to train every single day. I was able to see shots from high caliber guys. Uh, just wasn't the most successful in the sense of stopping pucks. I didn't have great numbers. And, um, at the time our, our team decided to buy me out. So I got bought out and, uh, bought out several other North Americans. So I didn't necessarily take it as personal as I could have, but at the same time, it was definitely humbling and made you, made me personally kind of think how fortunate I would be to play hockey, obviously, but then play hockey back home in North America. Yeah. So a little bit of humble pie and a little bit of uh, just bringing everything full circle, I guess, right? And being 
grateful for other opportunities in the future. So came back home after getting bought out. I uh, was able to go to camp on a PTO in Arizona. And uh, they offered a contract there. But Philly, also their American League team, came out of the uh, the, the woodworks and offered yeah, yeah. a contract too and was able to take what I learned and not take anything for granted from what I experienced in the KHL and go into Lehigh Valley and put together a pretty decent season. Yeah, for sure. You absolutely did. Um, let's just shift back to the KHL for a second. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I love the perspective you've taken away on this. It sounds like your your head is screwed on absolutely straight. It's it's awesome. Um, but let's just talk about the game because you mentioned you struggle a little bit. I mean, it's a different game to jump into, isn't it? Yeah. What, yeah. What, can you describe for us what's different? Uh, it's different in the sense of... The skill level, the intensity, um, like it's it, it's different in the regards that like those guys over there they're they're gonna shoot to score every single time. Mm-hmm. You know whether you're in practice, whether you're in games, um, they're they're able to have a high level of skill too. Like I was going over there and I didn't really expect anything, didn't know what I was getting into, and these guys are. Unbelievable skill. They play, yeah. yeah, they these guys could rip the puck too. So it was pretty impressive. And then the the game's just a little different in the sense where North American hockey is it's a little bit more up and down. You know, there is guys going back on pucks as a defenseman, you know you're gonna get bumped or you're you're gonna get some sort of contact. Um guys are are gonna block shots as well in mm-hmm. North America and, and soak some pucks. Like I remember Tucker Pullman going face first into a puck and playoffs you know what i mean like it's crazy so over there was a little different in in the regular season i only experienced the regular season i didn't experience playoffs over there so it could be different but uh power play was a big thing over there guys would would definitely uh make some good plays and take advantage because they had the skill and then there's maybe a little bit more room too uh because bigger ice the the bigger ice and the physicality maybe Mm -hmm. not as much checking and guys going through players so it allowed guys to get up in the ice and get up as the second, third waves um, on the on the rush and stuff like that. And so you got to be good on your edges even yeah. more over there. You got to trust yourself even more. You know, trust your edges and trust your footwork because there's going to be plays. There's going to be plays that are broken, you know, being sent through the middle of the ice and might pop out somewhere. So, yeah, it was a, it was a different game in that aspect. And um, it's kind of a wild time. To be honest. So, yeah. uh, did you get your KHL issue yoga blocks to insert in your pants? Uh, no, I did not. No. <laughs> I should have tried to pick some up and bring those home. But <laughs> Did you see anything yeah. interesting equipment-wise over there? Uh, there was definitely some stuff that was a little interesting. Um, nothing too out of control, though. But, I mean, the there are some things where, yeah, guys will put some stuff in their equipment and uh, whatnot, but... The shoulder floaters were kind of interesting over there too. There's pretty big shoulder floaters. Now, were you playing with your own stuff, or did you actually get I, some new non-regulation? I did. I've had had all my stuff from from the NHL and and whatnot. So NHL sizing on the chest and pants. And yeah, just all my gear too. So would have been nice to come home with one KHL chest. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> couldn't wear it though here. That's no, of course you part, couldn't. Right? I just want to see it. Just hang, yeah, <laughs> hang it up in the in the in the garage or something. So. It sort of sounds to me, though, like that experience from a technical perspective probably helped you a little bit when you came back to, to Lehigh Valley. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, I was able to 
to really experience some different situations and like great A opportunities. Um, at the time, our team wasn't as so great. So I got to experience some uh, pretty good scoring chances and uh, actually experienced a high level of like penalty killing too, mm-hmm. right? So that their PK and every single team was pretty deadly. So that was a lot of fun. And each place you go, good or bad experience, whatever, you, you got to take some sort of information or some sort of technique and, and evolve it, right? So I think my footwork and reading the play was was one of those aspects that, that happened and I was able to take away and, and get better from it. You definitely, I love your perspective on the game. So now just imagine instead of sharing the dressing room with a bunch of NHL guys this week, you're sharing it with a bunch of 10 or 12 year olds. Yeah. Um, what's, what's big brother Zane saying to the kids? What, what's, what advice do you want to share with them for, for their career as they move wow. forward? Um, that's a good question. I think the biggest thing I'd probably say to the kiddos would be just have the ability to have that inner belief in yourself to be like so unshakable. And then no matter what will happen, you're, you're that strong and that resilient to overcome it. Um, Cause difficult times come. Oh yeah. They, they're always going to come and they're not going to stop coming too. So uh, there's always adversity that you got to face. But I think looking back too, if I may, I didn't know at the time now with working with Pete and some of the stuff we're doing, like, you can see maybe why I had that train of thought and how to correct that with some of the things that we did. So I think looking back, if I had that inner belief that to be unshakable and not let people rock, rock my personal boat, um, be in a different position, but that's life and that's how you grow. And as an eight year old kid, I'd say, Hey man, like you're, you're unstoppable. Like just make sure you know that and keep building that inner belief every day. Whether you're playing hockey or whether you're you're going to school, whether you're a big brother or younger brother or whatever, just have there the inner belief that you're going to be the best at what you're going to do. Awesome. Now, you also probably have the all-time best hockey grandmother. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, what are your advice for the grandmas and the moms and dads out there? How do you support a youngster becoming a hockey player? Uh, I think the biggest thing, well, I Recently, I just had a kid too, so it's kind of a different perspective. She's yeah. four months old now oh, too. Congrats! So That's thank exciting. you. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different world now. It so is. I hope that I can be one day just accepting and loving of whatever she wants to do. And you can take the horse to the water; you can't make them drink it. Type of saying, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just support them as best as you can. Don't have to try and be them or try and get all the, the, the best things in the world or f- resources from, but you, they have to learn and make their own mistakes and it's the, kind of the only way they can grow. So hopefully in the future I can remember that and put that in full effect too, right? I'm sure you were. I th- Will, I think you're going to be an incredible father and it's a real pleasure to chat with you today and I'm looking forward to a whole bunch more chit-chat on the ice over, yeah. The, over yeah, the rest well, of the week. My pleasure, yeah. It's been an awesome week so far. I got a couple more days here too to to enjoy my time with you and I soak everything in. So it's gonna be you. great, Zane. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you.
Thanks to Zane McIntyre. Wish him the best of luck uh, this coming season. Uh, a journey beyond journey. Going out in his boots on the ice. And then the tie-in uh, and, and Hutch. Like the teammates buying in to when he, when he changed it. Incredible tear-jerking uh, tribute uh, to his grandmother. But the, but the teammates buying into it too with, with the jabs back and forth. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. What a first-class guy. And, uh, and thanks to our friends at Net360 and Alpha Hockey that, that made that possible because that's where we were at the time of the recording. And uh, yeah, yeah, it made me think of my beer league experience because uh, as I think I've told you guys before, if I'm out there and I'm not playing well, there's, there's nobody left on the bench. So all we can do is change my stick. And so that's how, <laughs> that's how I would pull myself and put a new goalie out in the ice. And so that resonated with me when, when he said uh, his teammates would rib him a little bit and say, yeah, we want Gothberg back, please. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, had me thinking of the backup stick a little bit, too. But uh, yeah, what, a, what a, a, great, a great person. It was uh, a real pleasure to get to know Zane a little bit and, and long-time in-goal premium member, I must say, uh, pretty much right from the beginning. And uh, so lots of, lots of great content up on the site right now that uh, hopefully Zane's looking at, eh, Woody? Uh, yeah, especially uh, still Hutch is rolling out part two of that Mike Smith puck handling tips. That <laughs> nothing like uh, getting to go up, uh, go on the ice with one of the best puck handlers in the game and have him explain to you the keys. So we've got a multi-part series up there at ingolmag.com for Ingol Premium members. Uh, two first two parts are up with Mike Smith. New pro reads up with Eric Comrie. Um, you know, and, and breaking down a power play chance against the Buffalo Sabers. Eichel. Taylor Hall, um, and just a really thoughtful video review session with Comrie. He's so good at that. He's, he, you know, he'll tell you what he thinks he did wrong on certain plays. He's open and honest. Um, but because it's a power play, like everything from outskating it to how he was managing screens, then to the play itself. So uh, some really good breakdowns there. And of course, you don't have to be an Ingle Premium member to look at our gear reviews. You don't have to be an Ingle Premium member to watch our replay of the webinar we did with CCM's design team this past week. Um, that's now live for everyone to watch a replay of it. Uh, we sat down with uh, three members of CCM's team. They took us behind the scenes on the testing uh, and sort of the development process that led to Eflex 5. Uh, some details there as well on Eflex 5 and, and the new chest protector. Um, some talk a little bit about masks as well, um, but just really taking us more so behind the scenes. If you ever wondered how you get a career uh, on the design side of a hockey company, we talked about that as well. So lots of good stuff there. Uh, hockey Canada goaltenders panel went up last week. Devin Levi, Joel Hofer, uh, Emirates Mashmeyer, who just won a gold medal uh, with Hockey Canada at the Women's World Championships. Uh, alumni Sammy Joe Small. Um, new new pro drills from Jason LaBarbera that's up. Uh, our Henrik Lundqvist uh, sort of appreciation series part three will be coming on that this weekend. Uh, we've got another, another sort of pro drill pro tip uh, coming from Brady Robinson, the development coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, AHL goalie coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. Just lots of stuff at Ingle Premium. So uh, if you haven't already, go check it out. You can see all the different stories. And if you want to actually watch the different videos that we have with all these NHL guys and AHL guys, then you just got to subscribe. So as I said before, too, lots more coming. Really excited that we're going to be back in the room this year. It allows us to go in and have these conversations on a more regular basis with these guys and can't wait to keep bringing that content to Ingle Premium members once the season starts. And not only do I have a new American Hockey League team just down the road, 
But hopefully if we open that border, it's going to be a quick sprint down to Seattle where we can right. you know, connect with some old friends of in goal. Andrew Allen, the new goalie coach of the Seattle Kraken. Chris Dreger, who, who's been so good to us over the years at his various stops, especially in Florida, now with the Seattle Kraken. Uh, obviously, Joey Decord as well. So uh, lots of new content um, that we hope to have up at Ingold Premium once the season gets going. And, and even once training camp gets going here late in, in late September. So And lots more coming before then. So make sure you keep tuned to IngoldMag.com for all that great content. And at some point, you guys are going to get down to Vegas and hang out with Freddie Brathwaite, Mike Rosati, and, and Dylan Ferguson, and Robin Leonard, and uh, Lauren Bersois, and uh, Yuri Patera. Yeah, yeah. Darryl Millard. Uh, and, yeah, and me. Yeah. Well, you guys are going to be staying at the uh, the estate, right? Woo-hoo. In the uh, in the east wing. Passed out in the pool. Yeah. Well, get on down here. I don't know what you're 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 waiting for. I uh, I pulled a uh, Henrik Lundqvist uh, tribute this week. Uh, I was on the just uh, me and a shooter. He was an NCAA uh, defenseman, and we were on fresh ice. And he shot the puck from the point, and I kicked it out. Come on. And I wasn't intending to do this. It went all the way down the ice off the access pad and into the net. That's Come on. That, I need video. I need video. And and he didn't know what I was screaming at as I was uh, as I saw it happening. That's awesome. And I, I was like, go, go. And and I did a little uh, like uh, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, you know, like the arms up, like yeah, that thing. <laughs> and I was just so excited that, that I did it. I thought it was pretty cool oh, uh, that it went in. But, but I was also amazed. That puck went all the way down the ice off the pad. That's unreal. Max. Max Rebound Plus in the CCM Access Pads, that extra layer of foam. We talked about that in the CCM webinar, how they've, how they, the t- we saw a video of the testing between the different types of foams and how they test to make sure that it's going to produce exactly that kind of result. That's kind of cool. As we bring it all together, uh, thanks to uh, the crew over at the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com, Cam and company uh, for uh, bringing us uh, the ability to. Uh, give you the insight into the goaltending world uh, in goal radio, the podcast presented by the hockey shop, as well as Sensorino VR uh, presenting our feature interview, uh, Zane McIntyre. What a wonderful uh, story uh, he has brought us and a story that he's uh, still writing right now. The next chapter uh, is uh, on the way. So uh, really appreciate it. And thanks to you. Uh, let us know uh, where you're listening from, how you're listening, what you're doing to get ready for the season uh, and, and how you're getting ready for the season. Love to know your gear of choice uh, as well, uh, what you've decided on after uh, this uh, rather unique uh, couple of year stretch. Uh, for David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening. We'll chat with you next week on Ingle Radio, the podcast. 